Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I wonder how long people were listening to Jesus teach before they realized that past the miracles and the healings, he was saying things that maybe they just didn't want to hear. I wonder how fast it was to decide that as he was speaking and teaching that they would be open and they were listening and then eventually get into believing how long it took them to be closed off, angry and then wanting to kill him. Or if they were laughing and dismissing, saying, what kind of crazy is this, this whole being blessed if you're poor, blessed if you're hungry. We do know that it wasn't long till scripture tells us that they were going to make him king by force in John chapter 6. Not because of his teachings, not because of what he was saying, but because of what he could do. If he could heal people, if he could cast out demons, then logically he must be able to do the opposite as well. Curse and plague our enemies. Get rid of these pesky Romans. If you could feed 5,000 of us, Lord Jesus, then certainly you could feed an entire army so they would never have to worry about anything ever again. Sometimes we listen, sometimes we stop listening and see how can we use this to our own advantage? How can we wield it, bend it to our will, use it to get what we want? So I find it incredibly astonishing that Jesus, who spends a lot of time teaching through parables in the Gospel of Luke, starts our text today with the phrase, to those who are listening. And then he speaks very clearly and very directly right to our hearts as he continues to redefine how we are to be in relationship with one another. This is Luke 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Three commands. Be good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. There is no secret motive here. This is not do good, but in your heart, hope for their demise. This is not a say nice things to their face when they're around, but as soon as they're out of the picture, speak whatever you want to really say. This is not a shout at them, bless you, bless you. I pray for you. I'm praying for you. This is hard stuff, friends. This is hands stuff, doing, habits, becoming. Do good to them. Why? Because the Lord is good to us. Because he has called us to stop the hate and to break the cycle. Because even though we do evil, the Lord is still good to us. Bless them? Why? Because the Lord blesses us. Because too many times we use words to destroy and tear down. 
And he has called us to stop the cycle and to break the hate. Because even though we curse, our Lord Jesus speak words of worth and forgiveness to us. Pray for them? Why? Because the Lord Jesus himself intercedes to this day to the Father for us. Because prayer can bring change. And because in prayer, we ask the Father to stop the wrong, to stop this cycle, and to break hate. Three commands, direct, clear, straight to the heart. And he continues. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship. Tell someone, get help. Take the necessary steps to be safe. But to be clear, Jesus is telling us that striking back is not his way. That while the laws of Leviticus might give you the right to do what had been done to you, to give to others what they deserve, an eye for an eye, should not be our goal. This, <laughs> this is a tall order, is it not? Because turning the cheek is not passive. It is one of the very hardest things to do. To have someone strike you, to have someone curse you, to have someone wish for you to fail, and then you in turn to not retaliate. Lord, give us the strength to do good to those who hurt us. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. To be clear, Jesus is not saying that if I walk up to you and say, if you're a Christian, give me your car, I want it. You do not have to give it to me unless you really want to. Just kidding. To be clear, Jesus is saying, don't hold on to your things so tightly. Those things can be taken from you. And if all you care about is getting them back, <laughs> you will find no peace in that. But generosity, joy, sharing and not giving with expectations or giving knowing that they do not owe you something as if you're Dwight Schrute bringing bagels to the office because you want people to owe you a favor. Love doesn't exist that way, friends. Imagine just for a second if God only gave you grace just based on how you gave it. How would you ever know if you had done enough? How would you ever know where you stood? That is not fear, or that is not love, that is fear. So he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. To be clear, this is the golden rule, right? Every religion has it, though I do notice that Jesus put it in the positive and with action. And notice, too, that he doesn't promise if you do these things, then people will treat you right and you no longer will have enemies. 
And as I said before, there is no hidden meaning here. Perhaps that by doing these things, turning the cheek, giving away your coat, then you'll have power over those who are hurting you. Then they'll never be able to conquer you. That the only true way to master yourself is to love and care for nothing and have nothing. If that was Jesus' motivation, I believe he would have said it. But I do not think for one second that he is giving us these commands to have us focus on ourself, to keep our own pride or convince ourselves that we still have some power when our enemies are attacking us or doing wrong to us. That is far too shallow and far too inwardly focused. Maybe Jesus just perhaps actually wants us to do good to others who hurt us. To be active in pursuing them, pursuing good for them. Notice he is not saying here, don't just not do bad. He's saying, do good. Take the first step towards healing. Take the first step towards reaching out. Maybe it has been a long time and you do not know why you are still so angry. Or you can't even remember what it is that you've been fighting about all these years. Take the first step in love. Because we can no longer abstain from doing something and think that as long as we're not doing it, that'll be good enough. We do not get to wash our hands and say, that blood is not on my hands. This, this forces us, all of us, to get involved to go all in on loving others, to do good to them, to bless them, to pray for them. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Jesus sure knows our weaknesses, doesn't he? Knows we would find a way just to be able to love the ones that we like. Love the ones who look and think like us. But we can no longer pick the people who look and think like us to love only, but to love all people, even our enemies. And if you are serious about imitating the Father, serious about being like Jesus, knowing that we have received His Spirit, that He has prepared good works in advance for us to do, then friends, we hear this and we rise up. We rise up in the new life that we have been given, the resurrection in the now that we have and practice in this life that we are living now. Because each one of us in this life will experience grace after grace, mercy after mercy, love after love. So let us give, give, give and do grace after grace, mercy after mercy and love after love.
Because we will each experience chances to get even. To have the last word. To be right. But the Apostle Paul picks up on St. Luke here, Jesus really, and says, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Pastor Tim has always reminded me of that verse, teaching me that we live in a world where everyone is a critic and everyone is screaming as loud as they can about what is wrong with others. But stop the cycle. Break the hate. Don't be afraid to overcome evil by doing good. P.S. Romans 12 is an exceptional text to read alongside this one. Because the Lord here is redefining you. Will he not close out this section? Look, it's right there in your bulletin. Talking about how God gives you a measure of grace so good that he has pressed it down, shaken it, and it's run over and spilling onto your lap. Don't just reciprocate the very minimum of what has been done to you, but let your love overflow even to your enemies. Not begrudgingly with a smirk, knowing that I'm better than you because I'm doing what Jesus said to do, but humbly, joyfully, just like the Father who finds joy in the repentant sinner. Just like the Father who to each one of us is patient and lets the rain fall on the good and the bad. So it is time to imitate the master, to put into practice the things that he calls us to do, to live as he actually calls us to, calls you children. Look, then your reward will be great. You will be children of the Most High because he is kind and ungrateful to the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn. You'll be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, I know you want to go a little bit back and forth here on that word reward. Is that the beach house if I do a really good job? Or is that like the apartment a couple blocks down from Jesus' house when we get to heaven? I don't know. But the focus here is on the imperatives, the call to do. To be called children of the Most High means you are to be holy as God is holy. Be holy as I, the Lord, am holy. But don't miss the merciful peace. Because while the holy part is that imitation, when combined with merciful friends, it comes to us in a brand new way that we see Jesus calling us to. See, at the time of Jesus, to be holy was to be clean, to be separate. Cleanliness next to godliness, separation from that which is dirty, that which you could not touch. You had to separate from other people, from other things at that time if you wanted to be clean and holy. So it's not an accident and in a little bit Jesus is going to tell a story about someone being a Samaritan and being merciful. Getting rid of the idea that you and I have the authority to pick who we're going to love and who we are not. Because mercy shall not be separated or chosen, but just simply given. That's why they call him Emmanuel, God with us. Because in his mercy, he came to us, took on flesh to become one of us, to stand amongst us, to be marked as a sinner, to stick his hands in the filth and the muck and the mud that is our lives. 
He came to stand with us. Came to die for us, to rise for us. So that there will never be anything that will separate you from Him. Nothing finds you right where you are and brings to you all forgiveness, goodness, blessing, defeats all the enemies that we read in that Corinthians text, including death. So as we close today, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to what his words say, give mercy. Give mercy to others and do not condemn them for who they are. Do not give up on them because their lifestyle, their choices are different than yours. Forgive them just as you have been forgiven. And be sure to do good to them, to bless them, to pray for them, like he did, hanging on a cross, praying for us, and speaking that final blessing of saying, it is finished. We belong to him. Now, we can't talk about prayer and think that all of this loving our enemies is something we can do on our own. So we are going to go to prayer together. We're going to pray together as we close out here. And if it helps you as I lead us in this next prayer, maybe you have a certain person in mind that as we talk about enemy, their face just pops up smiling. I don't know. My enemy smiles. So I'm going to pray for them. Keep them in your mind. Because it is the Lord God himself who will break your heart and bring about change. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your words would not go in our ears and out the other, but that through your spirit, through the good that you have prepared in advance for us to do, that we would act on what we hear. Help us to give mercy, Lord, and not to judge. You have made it clear that you are for us, so let us be for them. Lord, you do good to us even when we rebel and hate. And so for the one that is hating us, help us to do good to them. To bless them, Lord. You speak words of forgiveness to us even when we speak words of anger. So for the one who is cursing us, the one who is slandering us, the one who is gossiping against us, enable us to do good to them. And Lord, you bless them. Because as we sin, you intercede for us. So, Lord, again, for the one who is mistreating us, we pray for them, Lord Jesus. We rest in your mercy. We live, Lord Jesus, in your hope and love. For you alone are the cure for the sickness, the anger that infects our heart. Be with us 
and come quickly. In the name of Jesus, amen.